0: Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. For the last several weeks, we've been talking about the core values of our congregation. And I remind you, core values. Uh, we're not talking about the uh, fundamentals of the faith per se. We're not talking about um, you know those things that are required uh, for faith unto salvation. We're not talking about the uh, the 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 basics of Christian doctrine, the deity of Christ, the uh, the blood atonement, the. Um, uh, the reality of the Holy Spirit, the, uh, the, the authority of the Scriptures. We're not talking about those things. Those kinds of things are really the, um, uh, the, the assumption, the foundational assumptions on which core values are built. And so when we're talking about core values, we're just saying some of the things that float around our church um, that guide us in what we do and, and how we do it and how we approach uh, ministry, how we evaluate what we're doing. So we've been looking at some of the core values of our church. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, we looked at the fact that our core value is this, we exist for the praise of the glory of God's grace in Christ Jesus. And at that time, I reminded you that were I to write that value today, I would add by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we'll get into that later on today. But uh, it's our core value that we exist for the glory of God. That's why you'll hear us say things like the most practical thing you can do with your life in any situation is to live for the glory of God. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on, live for the glory of God. So that's a, that's a core value of our church. That's, that's something that we are striving to articulate and to live it out in, in our fellowship, to share with our community around us, the glory of God. And then last week, uh, we looked at our core value, which is that we are a cross-generational Church, and we tried to unpack something of what that means. Uh, essentially, it is the idea that it's not just that we have programs for all ages, it is that we are encouraging Christians of all generations to reach across the generational divide. And to link up and walk this journey of faith together. For instance, the, the older Christians reaching down to the younger Christians and grabbing them by the scruff of the neck, no, and, and grabbing them by the, by the arm to try and lift them up. And younger generations reaching out and up to the older generations to impart something of the wonder and the excitement, the adventure of, of living for Christ and how that's unfolding it in the early years of life. So we are a cross generational church. Um, the uh, the third core value, and we'll talk about that today, is this: we are overtly Trinitarian. We are overtly Trinitarian. That word overtly, it just means that we talk about it a lot. We are intentional about talking about it. We are looking for the work of the Trinity. We are looking for the teaching of the Trinity in Scriptures. We are very much focused on what the Trinity is all about. Trinity is the doctrine that God exists in three persons. There's one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Uh, but uh, uh, God in three persons, yet there are not three gods, there is one God. Now, uh, if you're like me, you're a little bit confused by that. It sounds like a word problem in math. Uh, It just doesn't add up and and it just doesn't pan out. A lot of ways people try to explain that and and, uh, usually it falls short at some point. But uh, what has happened is Christians over the last 2,000 years have come to the agreement that when we speak of God, we must speak of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and yet there is but one God. Now, For me, that was a doctrine that I just sort of put on the back shelf. I knew it was out there. A lot of the hymns that we sing have four verses, a Father verse, a a Jesus verse, a Holy Spirit verse, and then a three-in-one verse. And Of course, when I was growing up, we were always pressed for time, so we always skipped the third verse, and we never got the Holy Spirit into our hymns. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, but I knew it was out there. I knew it was in the doxology. I, I even grew up singing the glory of potry, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, you know, th- that, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I grew up knowing that there was a, a Trinity thing and that God is three in one. I knew that, but I sort of put it on the back shelf because, you know, it, it didn't make a lot of sense right away. Uh, it wasn't one of those things that, that e- you know, came easily when you tried to process it into your, into your head. Um, in fact, uh, um, you know, for, for decades, um, uh, you know, love the Trinity and, you know, believe the Trinity, can't talk much about it because I don't understand much about it, and that went on for years. Even, in, you know, I got through seminary that way and, um, and, and so forth. I'll tell you what turned me around you want to know. Debbie does. Does anybody else want to know? <laughs> this is a tough crowd. When the Twin Towers were hit on 9-11, Islam was thrust upon the Western world. You know, we knew it was there, and I'd studied comparative religions, and I knew something about Islam, but but suddenly Islam was a big thing, and I thought, man, I need to understand who these people are, and what they're teaching, and, and, and how that goes on. So I, I spent a year or two uh, sort of studying up on, on Islam and what it believed, and Uh, It's it's a great exercise, by the way, because nothing will make you appreciate your Christian faith like knowing what Muslims teach. I mean, nothing will make you appreciate the fact that God is grace, 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 and grace. And when you put it all together, God is grace. But it's not just grace in the abstract. It's grace in action that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Muslims don't believe that. They, they think that's an offense. They, they are actually offended when you talk about Jesus dying on the cross. Um, that, that, that's something terrible. But what we know is God loved us so much that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And nothing will highlight that like reading a religious system that, that overtly denies that. Um, and, and so I, I was studying Islam. But uh, one of the things I did as I was studying Islam was uh, to read the Quran. The, the Quran is um, the uh, uh, the book uh, that uh, that Muslims hold as sacred. Uh, they don't believe that it was inspired. They don't think God inspired Muhammad to write the Quran. What, what uh, Muslims believe is that God Himself wrote the Quran. There's actually a perfect Quran up in heaven with Allah, and uh, it's in classical Arabic and what happened was that the angel Gabriel came to Muhammad and started telling Muhammad what the Quran in heaven already said because Allah wrote the Quran, and Muhammad didn't write anything down. Supposedly, he memorized it all, and it wasn't until after he died that the Quran was actually written down. So, um, in, in studying the Quran, looking at the Quran, and, you know, according to the Muslims, I'm reading the very word of Allah. Now, here's what, what happens, is I'm reading along, and the, and, and the Quran talks a lot about Jesus, because Isa is, is the Arabic name for it, but talks a lot about Jesus. And you come to these passages where Allah and Jesus are talking to each other. And uh, Allah says something like, Jesus, did you ever tell those folks you were God? You didn't tell them you were son of God, did you? And Jesus says, far be it from me, you know. There's no God but Allah. Allah is one. I never said that. You know, you can't pin that on me. I didn't say that. And then uh, Allah will say something. Well, you t- go tell those folks, say not three. That's, that's the phrase in the English uh, translation. Say not three. Go tell them that, that God is not three. There's no trinity. There is an explicit, blunt, very pointed concentrated rejection of the christian doctrine of the trinity in the quran now the quran also teaches that the trinity consists of god the father god the son and mary the mother and i i sort of figured that if allah got that wrong he probably got a lot wrong and so um you know I, i wasn't too too worried about it but what that did was that that highlighted for me this doctrine is so important that it becomes a real issue of contention And we better be sure what we mean and what we believe when we say God is three in one. And so I started in on a, what was a 10, 12 year study of the Trinity, it's still going on. Uh, but in the course of that, I got to read and meet a lot of neat people like St. Thomas Aquinas and old Gregory of Nyssa. And, um, um, uh, there, there's a guy named um, Victor of St. Richard who was uh, really a really good guy. Tertullian uh, was great, the Cappadocian Fathers. Uh, on, on and on, and got, got, you know, reading a lot of this stuff and, and the philosophy going on and the things written today and the problems involved and all that. It was a fascinating thing, but it has come to me Uh, more and more and more that the doctrine of the trinity is essential to our christian faith and without the trinity there is no christian faith and without the trinity we are lost we are lost i mean think about it our basic problem is that we are alienated from god who created us That's the basic human problem. You know, whatever the candidates say tomorrow night in the the terms of the debate, whatever answers they give, they will be only giving band-aid answers. I don't care who it is because the ultimate answer is this, that God is sovereign Lord over all the universe. He created each one of us for his glory. We have sinned against him. We have rebelled against him. We've rejected God from our lives, and that has resulted in the brokenness of of humanity that's why our world is broken our society is broken is because we rebel against the god who created us that is the basic problem of the human condition and the and the the uh, the, 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 the real challenge is that there's no way for us in our sin to get from where we are to where god is to restore that that condition now, other religions say there is. Other religions, well, Islam, for example, says, well, all you have to do is recite the, the, the confession and then live a really good life. And if you're good enough, Allah might, might forgive you and he might take you to paradise. He's under no obligation and you might just be wasting your time. Uh, you don't really know. But, uh, but the idea is you can work your way there. Judaism today is basically an ethical religion. You're saved by your good works. You can just be good enough. Here's the difficulty with that. You can't be good enough to be as good as God. And even if you could be perfect from this day forward, you can't go back into the past and change the harm and the sin you've already done. Something needs to happen to take that away, to cleanse it, and to make it whole again. And we cannot do that. We cannot do that. Other religions, Buddhism said, you know, just sort of uh, chant your way out of it. uh, You know, philosophy says just think your way out of it. On and on it goes. Uh, But only in the Christian faith do we know and find out that the God who created that we have offended has come to us in his son, that he is Emmanuel, God with us that when you see Jesus, you have seen the Father, that when you behold the Son, you're beholding the Father's love for you expressed in a sacrificial way, and that in Jesus Christ, when he died for our sins, that the one who made the sacrifice, the sacrificer, is also the sacrifice itself, that God the Father sent his Son to die for us, not because we decided it, but because in the depths of his love and mercy for us decided to send his Son, Jesus Christ, for us and on that cross God gave his son for us now we would never know that you would never know that think about it this way the vast majority of people who looked at Jesus during his earthly ministry never saw the son of God even his own disciples barely got an inkling of it but they didn't get it right until after the resurrection but most of the people who saw Jesus never recognized him as the son of God But some did. Why? Jesus explained that. He said, Simon Peter, when you come to this realization, you didn't figure it out yourself. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But my Father in heaven showed that to you. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit opened your eyes, gave you the context to understand who Jesus is. You see, without the Holy Spirit, you're stuck trying to be smart enough. See, without Jesus, you're stuck trying to be good enough. Without the Holy Spirit, you're stuck trying to be smart enough. But the glory of God's grace, the doctrine of the that God the Father against whom we have sinned, sent his Son to be righteous in our place, his righteousness imputed to us, and then sent his Holy Spirit to awaken us to know Jesus Christ, not as a matter of intellectual comprehension, but as the outreaching of God's love for us to grab us and to bring us into the orbit of who he is. And that's why we love the Trinity, because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit perfectly united all involved in every aspect of our salvation and what a wondrous wondrous testimony of the grace of god that he is one god in three persons are you tracking with me on this that's why we love the trinity that's why we talk about the trinity turns out to be a very practical doctrine i hope i remember to talk about that a little bit later on so for me you know coming back uh, and, and trying to, to read deep, more deeply and pray more deeply into what the Holy, uh, what the Holy Spirit is, is revealing to us in the doctrine of the Trinity, um, it has brought me to this, this just awestruck uh, sort of sense of who God is and what God has done. See, what I want you to know is the doctrine of the Trinity, you've got one God in three persons. This is not something that we came up with to confuse people. Now, it's, it's not something that, that intellectual, pointy-headed guys in the ivory towers, they didn't come up with this and say, Let, I tell you what, we, we can just confuse the stew out of people if we tell them God is three in one and just laugh at them, try to figure that out. And then we impose that. The doctrine of the Trinity arises because of our experience in Christ Jesus. In other words, the the experience that we have in the holy spirit of christ to the father all of that is what bubbles up and compels us to say things like god is one in three persons Let's see if i can illustrate that uh, we won't turn to it right now but if we were to turn to acts chapter 2 verse 38 or so uh there you remember the, the people on the day of pentecost they, they, they said peter we, we get this you, you're telling us that god sent jesus we killed him god raised him uh, now we need to repent. We get that. What should we do, Peter? What shall we do? And Peter says this. Here's what you need to do. Repent. Confess your sins. Repent. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that is of the Son. That baptism is an outward expression of, of, um, of, uh, of faith and trust that Jesus Christ died for our sins to, to uh, bring us out of darkness into light. All the, give us the, the new creation, the born-again experience. He says, so you need to Repent. Confess that through the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this before. This is about the third time I've referred to this passage, but it's kind of key to understanding the Trinity. From the very beginning, the opening moments of the Christian movement, we're talking about faith in the Son, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, "'Because this promises to you and to all those whom the Lord our God has chosen.'" that the Father has initiated all this and he's put it into, into motion. So from the very beginning, the Christian gospel is this. God the Father sent his Son that you might have your sins forgiven and receive God the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And every believer, because of that, has the presence of God the Holy Spirit in you. I remind you, when you get to work tomorrow, when you, whoever you meet tomorrow, get to school, whatever you're doing, when somebody says, how was your weekend? You've got to say, it was great. The, the God of the universe who created everything, who is Lord and sovereign overall, he dwells in me, and we had a great time together. That is a great discussion starter. You know, just mention that to them, because this is what it's about. Sometimes we get this idea that, that, that salvation is just a mere transaction. All we do is we go to God and we say, uh, God, here, here's my faith. I believe Jesus died for my sin. God says, here's your, here's your ticket. You're saved. Great. See you next, you know, when, whenever I get he- heaven, see you then. No. When we come to Christ and confess our sins, we are forgiven totally, entirely, completely. Sins removed, you know, entirely. But that's just the beginning because God sends his Holy Spirit into our lives. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are led by the Father through the Son. You Get all this working together. And it's an ongoing life. That's what the Trinity is all about. See, what I want you to realize, the Trinity isn't a doctrine that we impose on the Bible. The Trinity is a doctrine that bubbles up from the Bible. From the Bible. And think of it this way the Trinity is how we hug all the truth of the Bible at one time. Does that make sense? See, in the book of Exodus, God said, Look, you've got to tell the people that the Lord your God is one. Remember that? The Shema? The Lord your God, He's one God, and you should worship Him with your heart and soul, mind strength, all that. So in, in Exodus it says, God is one. You get over to John chapter uh, 20 or so, and, uh, and, and, and Thomas is falling down at the feet of Jesus, and what is he saying? My Lord and my God. Now, how do you hold those two together? And then when you read about the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, uh, does the things that God does, accomplishes God's will and, and is working and speaks and, uh, as God and so forth. It, it won't go into all the scriptures for that, but you just left there with saying, well, you know, when we're talking about the God who created the universe, we're talking about God. When we're talking about Jesus Christ who died for our sins, we're talking about God. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit that fills my life and guides my life, we're talking about God. We have three persons here, but there's only one God. And so the Trinity is a way to put your arms around the whole truth of the Bible and hug it at one time. Okay, you can't deny any part of the Bible without denying some part of the Trinity, and vice versa. Okay. Now, um, okay, I'll do this. We're awfully confused by this. How can this be? Don't you live in fear, constant fear that your that your uh, elementary school child will come up to you and say, "How can God be three pre- people?" Habit, 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 you know. um, don't ask questions so. <laughs> we'll all understand it bye bye okay. <laughs> I don't know why that occurred to me <sighs> and so we come up with explanations you know, things like you know I am a father and I am a son and I am a husband but it is just one me Used to be more of me, but now, you know, but there's still just one me. The problem with that is I'm the husband of only one person. The rest of you are left out. I'm the son of only two people. The rest of you are left out. And I'm, frankly, the father of only two people. The rest of you are left out. You know, that it, it sort of breaks down in that I'm, I'm a husband to one person but not a son to that per- person, you know, and, and, and so it, it's, it's a nice idea, but it, it, it's… It, it doesn't quite quite go all the way so so we get real technical and we go with uh, saint patrick in ireland supposedly he said well if you want to know about the trinity just look at a shamrock you know that little three lucky clover thing you know you know what i'm talking about three leaves he says, look at that it's just one thing but it has three three deals on it and, uh, and that was great until they found one with four and he was he was sunk on that one well what about water you know because water can be water or ice or steam hey that's really great but it can't be all three at the same time yeah you can have ice water <laughs> but the water itself the 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 ho2 itself is either one or the other not it can't be all three at once all right and the doctrine of the trinity says that the holy spirit uh the son the father are all completely god and they're all completely god all at the same time you deal with one you're dealing with the others uh and, and so forth so these sort of break down. Can I tell you what makes sense to me? You want to know? I already told you. So I don't have to tell the rest of you? Somebody nod yes. I've, okay. Here's the deal. All right. I had a little girl come up to me. I think she was like second, third grade, something like that. Very precocious. <laughs> don't you love them? And uh, uh, she came up and she said, If God is God and Jesus is God, why aren't there two gods she had me she nailed me all my seminary education right out the window (laughs) here's what I said to her I said something like this I said do you ever talk to yourself seriously do you ever talk to yourselves do you talk to yourself? I know, you your know, own like nutty people, but admit it, you talk to yourself, right? I mean, when I asked this little girl, I said, do you ever talk to yourself? She said, sure I do, because she's more honest than you are. <laughs> but I said, do you ever talk to yourself? She says, yeah. I said, do you ever talk to yourself about yourself? I mean, do you ever talk to yourself and say, hey, you know, you need, you need to study this book or you need to do more reading or you should do this? You ever, you ever talk to yourself about yourself? She said, yeah. Do you ever do that? Anybody else do that? Am I the only person who's, who's off name here? Okay. Did you ever, ever talk to yourself about yourself? The one speaking is you. That's called the first person, by the way, in grammar. Do, you, in, in, do they teach English grammar anymore? <laughs> well, that would be called the first person. Am I right? You're speaking to yourself. You're listening. The person spoken to is called? The second person, and you're talking about yourself, the person spoken about is the third person. I'm not making this up. This is your your grammar. Look it up in your dictionary. All right? Under the word person, this is the second definition. The first one is, but this is the second definition. It says the three persons of grammar, the person who speaks, the person who listens, and the person spoken to. Now, you can tell the difference between them. Those are three different persons. I said to this little girl, I said, you talk to yourself? Yes, I do. Well, that's one person when you, when you talk, in it? Yes, it is. Do you listen to yourself? Yes, I do. That's a second person, isn't it? Yes, it is. Those are the same people, aren't they? She said, yeah. I said, we're two-thirds there. Go, don't bother me anymore. no but but just think about it this way what happens when god himself thinks to himself about himself you do it now the difference between you and god one of the differences is you can't do it right you don't know yourself you are fractured you're you're, you're sort of like broken inside and you can't you can't put it all together in fact a lot of times admit it when you're talking to yourself you're kind of like arguing right calling yourself names oh come on be honest that, you know that's that's a lot of what you do uh, but god doesn't do that when god thinks to himself about himself he's perfectly justified in saying this is glorious yes this is glorious and he listens and he, and, and and he is he's the subject of his glory and all those things now uh if, if you think that's that's nutty if if we were to turn to luke chapter 15 uh in chapter 15 gospel of luke we're reading about the parable of the prodigal son And the younger son goes to dad says, Dad, I want my inheritance. Dad says, here, take it and run. The guy goes off. He squanders all the money. He winds up dead broke, and he's feeding the pigs. You remember this? All right. So in uh, in Luke 15 then, while he's feeding the pigs, the Scripture says, when he came to himself. Remember that phrase? It's a great phrase. When he came to himself, he said, the servants in my father's house eat better than i do what is he doing he's talking to himself about himself now that's a wounded broken dysfunctional person doing that i figure god can pull it off even better than we can so when i think of the trinity and and somebody asked me the question how how can there be three Three persons who are all God, and yet there's only one God. Uh, I just, you know, my question is essentially the same as that of of, uh, Augustine, and that is, well, what do you think happens when God thinks to himself about himself? Now, for Augustine, it was the memory, the understanding, and the will. And boy, if you want to go to sleep, just let me lecture on that one. But, um, uh, But essentially the question was, what happens when God thinks to himself about himself? He is the first, the second, and the third person of this inner fellowship within himself. Now, here's the glory. God shares that with us. And he doesn't share a part of it. He shares all of it. He brings us to know him through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit so that when we relate to God, we are relating to the fullness of who God is. That's what the doctrine of the Trinity is all about. And that we do so as we know the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me suggest some things to you. I'd like to suggest about 20 things to you right now. Um, Wow, where shall I stand? Okay, I'm going to give you this one. You know you can't get away from it? On the very first page of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Remember what it says? It says, in the beginning, God, God created the heavens the earth one of the the things that means is that there is creation there is creator there's not sort of like a blending blurring line between them that you sort of phase your way from creator to creation and if you're creation you can sort of phase your way back up to creator there is creator there is creation they are distinct god is god we are not god god is god he is sovereign over the entire universe we are not sovereign god is not the co-pilot he's the only pilot Okay, so in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You remember the very next thing it says, and, and the Spirit of God, the Spirit was hovering over, brooding over. depends on how you want to translate that Hebrew word. But the Holy Spirit was there supervising what was going on in creation. Got two out of three so far, don't we? I, I've, either, I've either stunned you or you're just enthralled with this. Okay. And then you remember the next thing that happens and god said let there be light etc and god said in john chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and so when god speaks he speaks creation into existence. You remember from our study of Colossians, don't you? That Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and that he is the head of the body of the church. By the way, you, you could align Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with that. I won't do that right now. But the the, the, the point being, on the very opening verses of the Bible, you have God, Father, spirit son god the father god the son god the holy spirit and that's how creation comes into existence and the and the 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 marvelous thing about it is we are brought into fellowship with this creator god who spoke the worlds into existence by the power of his spirit and our experience of that is of the fullness of god because when we know the father we can only know him through the son and you would never figure that out unless the holy spirit opened your eyes and your heart to the reality of christ now this uh this is an invitation that that, you know what what i want to do now is just sort of suggest to you that the doctrine of the trinity is one of the most practical doctrines there is you're scratching your head you thought no we had to run from that you know practical stuff is how to get my finances in order and make my children obey and things like that here The doctrine of the Trinity is the most practical doctrine. It's all about the glory of God. Here's why. You cannot know the Father unless the Father draws you. You will not know the Father unless he draws you through the Son. And the way the Father does that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. If it were not so, we could never come to the Father. We could never come to God. We could never be good enough. We could never be smart enough. God did that for us in the fullness of who he is through the Son and through the Spirit. It's an temptation. It's also an encouragement. You know, as you're, as you're going through life and you're struggling with life and you encounter those problems, like the finances, like the children, those kinds of things, the doctrine of the Trinity says that this magnificent, profound God is working in our lives still. He doesn't just send us on our way like a, you know, an asteroid flying through the outer reaches of the galaxies. He rather loves us so much that he sent his Son and his Holy Spirit to draw us through the Son to himself. And so when you, you know, when when things are looking bad and it's down and out, all you got to think is, what is the Father doing to draw me to himself through the Son? And that'll point you to the work of the Holy Spirit, and it'll point you to the person of Jesus Christ, and it'll focus you on the glory of God the Father. And let me also suggest that the doctrine of the Trinity, it's an invitation, uh, it's an encouragement, it is a delight. Did you notice the songs today? Did you notice the hymns? We sang the Trinity today. And the reason that moved you is because it pointed you to the fullness of who God is. That's, that's how we worship. We worship the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that goes on here is for the glory of the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, and this isn't cutting God up into little slices of pizza, right? It's, it's, not, it's not taking God and, and making him sort of like part A, part B, part C, or, or columns on a menu. Or, no, this is the fullness of God. At every moment, experiencing the fullness of who God is and the fullness of what God has done for us. And that's what the Trinity is. The doctrine of the Trinity, three persons, one God, is a way to get your arms around the whole truth of the Bible and hug it all at once. Are you tracking with that? So what I'd like to suggest you do this week is just sort of look at your life through Trinitarian lenses, all right? As you look at your relationships, as you look at at the problems, the challenges, the the work you do, as you're looking at uh, at your life and what it's all about, just look at it through those Trinitarian lenses. How do I glorify the Father on the basis of who Jesus Christ is as Emmanuel, God with us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by my own deal, but by the power of the Holy Spirit? I'd just like you to challenge you. Look at your life this week through the lenses of the Trinity. Okay. I hope that helps. Uh, some of this has really been helpful to me. Uh, like I said, I, I, I spent uh, 10, 12 years on a concentrated study just trying to, to think through what these things mean. Uh, I know it, it takes a while for it to, to unfold, uh, but what I can tell you is that, that, that once you um, just really grasp and, 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 and uh, be very intentional about reaching out to the Trinity uh, as a doctrine, uh, you'll find your life, growing profound more profound deeper uh, you find your appreciation for the gospel growing you'll find your love for the father the son and the holy spirit just just increasing by leaps and bounds as you go as you come to know god who's three and one all right let's pray together then i'll let you go father in heaven i thank you thank you that i can speak to you right now because father without jesus without the son who could stand And Father, accept that your Holy Spirit would move our hearts, who would stand? But thank you for the fullness of who you are, for the fullness of what you've done. And I pray for the folks in this room for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit to to just work to set eyes upon Jesus, things above where you are, where your glory resides, to transform our lives. Father, do this according to your will, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.